everybody. Welcome to Shatter the Glass. I'm your host, Zane Tomich. First of all, thank you, my loyal listeners, for joining me today. We had a really good, interesting podcast with my very good friend, Kim Baholka, the other day. Her and I go as far back as high school. And we both share a love for natural remedies and holistic practices. But Kim has also had a lot of life experience. She was in the modeling industry for many years, and she's going to share with us some of those personal stories of her traveling the world, as well as being a model. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but a long time ago, far, far and away, I was a ghost hunter. (laughs) And Kim was a big part of that life when we were around 17, 18 years old. Very young, naive kids who... Thought we knew what we were doing, but at the end of the day, we were just immature juveniles trying to find some ghosts. Um, but that didn't stop our passion uh, carrying over today for paranormal and spiritual things and phenomena. So Kim and I definitely got involved with that discussion this episode. So anybody who's really into ghosts and the shadows and what lies beyond the shadows, this is definitely the episode for you. So, without further ado, without explaining too much more for you guys, let's get right into the thick of it. Enjoy this episode. Hello there, Kim. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. It's It's been a long time in the works, and you're finally here. I am, yes. It feels like we've been planning this forever. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's good to talk about our relationship that we've had since high school hey we have a pretty long history together and I think we can attribute that to our spiritual connection to one another I think we've always had deep conversations and we've been able to connect to each other on a a really spiritual level that's kind of helped our friendship last through the ages wouldn't you say yeah absolutely I think when you're able to have um, deep conversations with anyone that will strengthen a relationship. Yeah, and that kind of ties into our time uh, doing Ghost Town LA back in our younger, younger days, because we're still young, right? You're 25, I'm 26, back in our 18-year-old days. Um, we, we saw some weird things, wouldn't you say? It's kind of really shaped my view in terms of spirituality and what's out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, we... We saw many things. Um, we saw orbs, we saw silhouettes, we, we heard spirit as well, um, and we felt spirit. Um, I think in hindsight, we definitely obviously um, at that time approached things in a more immature way. Um, we would always refer to things as what goes bump in the night. Whereas now, I think, I think like, yes, I agree, we are still young individuals, but we have a more mature perspective on it and uh, understand the energy behind what occurred more. So, yeah, it makes me question too. I'm a Christian. I, I believe there's a heaven, there's a hell, and there's a God who created us. But I also think that there's something in the middle there, and that's why we see these spirits. That's why we see these things in the shadows. This is really hard for some people listening to probably understand because you kind of have to be there and you have to experience it yourself to really connect to this. But we're just sharing our experiences with you and you make of it as you will. 
Absolutely, yeah. Like we are sharing our truth, and I think anyone that is skeptical on this topic hasn't been exposed to this truth. Like, really, you need to see it and feel it firsthand to fully understand it. Um, and also diving down that path, um, I believe some people are just a bit more intuitive to that energy um, and therefore will experience it more. Like, you have to be open to the energy as well, right? If you're closed off from it, if if you're never exposed to it, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to believe it. I think that's a good point to bring up because society has been kind of evolved into a into a closed-minded society where we don't really realize what's actually possible. I think we forget sometimes just how big our universe is. Oh, absolutely. And, and what the universe is all capable of. Um, I agree. Like people, it's easier to see things just black and white. It is how it is. Well, and everybody lives in their bubbles on Earth that we forget just how big everything else is. This is just one planet. You gotta realize there's millions and billions of stars and galaxies and planets out there, which I kind of attribute to God creating more than just us and things that we're not aware of. Say, so when you read the Bible, you, you see what's laid out before us on this planet. But I also think that there is things left out intentionally as a mystery for us to unravel ourselves. Absolutely. I did grow up Christian as well. Do you think there really is some kind of purgatory where these spirits kind of roam? Yes, I do. There, we have the physical world, which is here on Earth, but then we also have the spiritual world. And these spirits can get trapped in a purgatory in between, is my belief. Um, it, now, is that the truth? Well, it's my truth, right? And I believe it's other people's truth as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of, it's what you believe too. Um, this, this purgatory, it's kind of the gray area. You know, let's get back to the black and white analogy, right? Uh, we can say like, the physical world, life on earth is the black, the purgatory's the gray, and the spiritual world would be the white, right? It would be that white light, you know? You, you hear people saying uh, uh, when they're passing on, like, go to the light, right? Go to the light. Maybe you've seen that on TV shows or in movies, right? So I, I do believe there is truth in that. That's my truth. That's my belief in the universe. I did grow up with a Christian background, but I do believe more now just in the universe. Like that's my, that's my, that's what I look to, right? Right. And there's nothing wrong with looking to God. Everyone kind of has their own creator with their own religious belief. But, but with that being said, that is where the truth can kind of get bent as to what, what people look up to and what they believe. I think too, when you listen to people's personal stories, you can tell some people who just like to fabricate things and really sell it, that's almost unbelievable, right? And, and those things you can question. But most stories I think you, you can at least open your mind to. Not everybody is lying. There's, there's literally 
millions upon millions of stories posted online of people who have had near-death experiences and they've actually seen the spiritual world they've seen heaven they've seen god they've seen all these things when they're on the brink of death on their deathbed there's people that have had outer body experiences who are looking at their body on an operating table you know there's these really insane in a good way stories you can't tell me every single one of them's lying no no absolutely not i strongly believe in all of that but the issue is is that the media has really warped people's perspectives on ghosts let's say because it's so theatrical in the movies and you know it let's let's even take it uh to a time when i was younger and uh you know growing up on the farm i uh I would often go outside and play with my animals. My sister, I, I have an older sister, Jen, she was often off playing with friends or she was a big dancer when she was younger. So if she wasn't around, I would just go outside and play by myself. And when I was about four years old, um, I had actually lost my Opa. He had passed away from a stroke. And uh, I, I absolutely just adored him when I was younger. I have very fond memories of him. And I was outside, uh, and I have a clear flashback of this, and I was playing with him, not fully realizing or understanding that he was no longer on, on this physical world. Um, he, in hindsight, now I understand, would have been in this purgatory. He wasn't quite ready to fully move on, right? He, he had passed quite suddenly um, with the massive stroke. And anyways, back to my story here, I had gone inside when I was done playing and uh, told my mom that I was just outside playing with Opa. And he had passed away months before that. And anyway, she's asking me questions about it. My mom always... Um, being a more spiritual person as well and believing in uh, the purgatory, you could say. Uh, and she, she questioned me on it. And um, I do think she did feel some comfort from it, knowing that her dad was still looking out for me. Um, but yeah, just going back to that, I've always kind of had a more open side to spirits and having that connection um with my opa at a, such a young age has really um kind of transformed that path for me into the future now so do you kind of need that openness to see these things because there's a lot of disbelievers out there that are skeptical about the spiritual world who actually don't see it they have a policy if i don't see it it doesn't exist right so how, how do you look at that in terms of being able to see it for people like us who are more connected to that energy as opposed to someone who's not, do you need to be open? Yeah, like I think you do need to be open because let's say like um, back in the day when I was connecting with my Opa on a spiritual level, what if my mom didn't believe at all in anything spiritual? What if she was a huge skeptic? What if she just said, oh, you're, you know, Oh, little Kimmy, you're out to lunch. Like, what are you talking about? That would have closed my closed my mind more. That would have hindered my beliefs more. Would I have still been the same person today? Maybe, maybe not. Would I have been more open to spirituality today? It's kind of tough to say. Like, I might have still been, you know, I, 
I probably still would have done Ghost Town LA with you. I probably still would have been exposed to it. But but there are, you know, other people that just aren't as intuitive that, no, I don't think they would have. Yeah, and I think with our investigations, we actually uncovered stuff. A lot of it being an experience, the things that we feel, the things that we see in the moment. But we really did experience and uncover evidence of this other realm, this other area where these where these spirits can kind of connect to us in some way shape or form i think there's something to be said too about the sixth sense you know remember that movie with bruce willis and, and, and that kid <laughs> yes I, I do know that movie <laughs> I, I, I really think kids are more connected to that world than adults are i think imagination has a lot to play with it not because they're seeing things that aren't there i just think that their world is more generally open than an adults. Adults got more tunnel vision. Absolutely. Yes. Children are way more open-minded than adults. And I do think in big part, it's society and media that as we get older and we're more exposed to those things, they close our mind. And that's how the tunnel vision comes in, right? Also, uh, well, there's many factors that can play in part to that. Um, but yeah, the open-mindedness, that's where it all comes back to that open-mindedness. If you open your mind to the spiritual side, it, anything's possible, in my opinion. We all have souls. I, I, I genuinely believe that we all have a soul. And we're just kind of using this body somewhat as just a vessel for this, this mortal plane, essentially. And then, and then we go somewhere else when we die. I really don't think that we just rot in the ground like the worms eat us afterwards and it's just dark. I think we go somewhere else. Absolutely. And that's kind of going back to when I was saying when someone's transitioning or crossing over to the light, right? That's That would be your soul leaving your physical body and moving on to the universe, heaven, whatever, in my opinion, it's whatever you believe. So, and, and is that correct? Is that right? I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't know that anyone knows that for sure, but that's just my belief. It's kind of unfortunate too when you see all the fighting going on in the world, what with religion and stuff like that, and you're wrong, I'm right. Wouldn't it be nice, and this is where we can kind of tie in our common ground theme to this this podcast, Shatter the Glass, if we can all just agree that, you know, someone created us and we go somewhere else after, I think you could save a lot of fighting. You know, we could actually get along if we just all can agree on at least one thing. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that's a really good point of, of summing up what I'm trying to say is, yeah, we do, to an extent, we all believe that there is a creator, we spend our time on earth, and then we cross over to the light, to heaven, to a peaceful place of comfort, eternal peace, right? So why is that so hard for us to respect in other religions? Like why, you know, I, to me, I call my creator universe. You call your creator God. I'm not offended by that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So why is there so much uproar? Why is there so much aggression behind it? 
um, when really there doesn't need to be. Yeah, but that helps you change your perspective a little bit. It really gives you a peace of mind when, when you understand the things that are happening and you can at least process it in a mature way. And we can kind of tie that into your personal journey and how you've grown, how your perspective has changed. Let's hear it. Let's hear your personal story that you wanted to talk about today. Absolutely. So it all kind of started with my modeling journey. So in high school, I started modeling when I was 15 in grade 10. I, um, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Like people always kind of told me it was something I would be good at. And I was kind of coming out of a phase where I was really sporty, but wanting to try something a bit more creative. So I thought, you know what, what do I have to lose? I'm 15. What do I have to lose? So I started modeling and it absolutely took off. Within a year, I was traveling to Seoul, South Korea, which was absolutely incredible. Like I was this small town girl jet setting across the world, like telling my parents they could not hold me back, even though they were definitely hesitant. <laughs> like the, the sky was the limit for me. I, I felt invincible. It was amazing. Um, and then I got to Korea and it was the biggest culture shock of my life. Like, like I'm used to Alberta. Like, you know, I'm used to rural open spaces, like even our cities aren't that crowded here. And then you throw me into um, a huge Asian city and it was just insane. Like I was just, I was mesmerized. I'm so comfortable with my home. I've always thought how I would react if I went to a country on the other side of the world, because like you said, it's a huge culture shock. It is. and. Not to mention, like, it's one thing to go to the other side of the world when you're an adult and maybe with a group of people. But I went when I was 15 for three months by myself. So... You are 15? I was 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up really fast in those three months. Um, you, you have to, right? Right? You're... You're cooking, you're cleaning, you're doing everything. You're, I was working, right? I was going to castings. Um, I was also sightseeing. Um, I was also in a position too where models are very, very idolized in South Korea um, to a point where you are considered like famous. And so like walking down the street, going to get groceries, wasn't just walking down the street going to pick up groceries like people would stop you people would want to take pictures with you like like i st stood out like a sore thumb like i was a white blonde tall s slender woman uh well child <laughs> at that time and all these people were just gawking over me and it was weird for me it was weird like I, um, I was still struggling with my confidence at the time too, so I just really did not understand why these people thought I was so special. Um, yeah, but at the same time too, there was perks to that as well, because I was able to get into any club that I wanted to. 
um, any bar, any restaurant. Um, I remember going to concerts for free. Like, you know, I was really living the, the high roller life. Was that a hard decision for you to make to make a trip like that at such a young age? No, at the time, no. It was, it was the easiest decision because at the time, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, for that year leading up to that trip, I looked in the mirror every single day and I told myself I was gonna be an international model. Like I, like when I wanna get something done, when I have a goal, when I set my mind to something, I get it done. That's just the type of person I am. I've always been that way. So then finally receiving that contract and getting to the other side of the world, it, it was like my dream came true. It's like I was living my dream. I, and I was only 15 and it was like, boom, cross that off the bucket list. Like I, I felt invincible at the time. In hindsight though, like if let's say that never happened to me and this opportunity came to me at my age now of 25, uh, I don't think I could do it. I, I'm, way, I'm way too much of a worry ward now. There's too many what ifs. And you know, that kind of goes back to our earlier conversation of how I guess I am a bit more close-minded now than I was 10 years ago. And I know too, when you do make those decisions at a young age to, to throw yourself out there into the world, at the time, it, it seems like a great idea, but you don't realize with the age that you're at now, like several years down the road, just how much that actually helped you, um, like you said, grow up. I know I've always stayed close to home in my early years, so the thought of me doing something like that, especially at that age, just is unconscionable. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, so I think in a lot of ways for that personal growth to happen, you need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And down the road, it kind of pays off because you feel like an adult beyond your years. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I am very thankful for that experience. Um, and I do recall coming home and... I hadn't quite turned 16 yet, but I was almost 16. And I was living with my Oma at the time um, so that I was able to go to high school in Leduc. And I remember, yeah, coming home and buying all my own groceries from there on out. Like we would cook together. Well, I cooked together. My Oma mostly cooked for me, but, but there was certain foods that I wanted and I would go out and buy them from 16 on like I've always been very independent like I was independent very much so before I went to Korea but coming home after that just took that to a whole new level it's pretty much like I was I was kind of living like an adult but I wasn't fully able to yet because I still had to be a high school kid and go to high school once I came back so yeah it um it was a very cool experience, but um, in the years to come, as I kind of not really stopped modeling, but but pulled back a bit from it for sure internationally, um, I realized that it was affecting me more mentally than I had kind of hoped. Like, yes, I was still getting confidence boosters from people seeing my pictures and, you know, saying how beautiful I was. But it's just, it's such a judgmental industry. And 
it um it's a tough world to throw yourself into especially at a young age yeah yeah like you know your your body is still developing at that age as a young woman and i was literally being told that I was too fat and that I was never going to make it in the modeling industry if I didn't lose any weight. And which is absolutely insane. Like anyone that knows me would like literally like throw up hearing that because it's just, it's such BS. Like I'm literally bigger than I was then and I'm still like smaller than average. And it just, the modeling industry, granted, has come very, very far since I have been like hugely involved in it. There is a lot more exceptions with plus size models and a lot of brands now. Um, you'll even see like online shopping now. They show pictures of clothes with a slender model or a larger model. Like you can kind of pick and choose which which you want to view. And I think that's great. But there are still certain areas that will only accept a certain body type and it's just not okay it's just not realistic and it really really messed with my mind and it still honestly does some days see that's a shame because i don't even want to think about the amount of women who actually went through that it's probably astronomical there's so many women just like you who have had the same not so great experience when it came to that and it's it's carried them along the way and made them not feel beautiful that's the worst thing in the world Absolutely. And um, I do have many friends now through the modeling industry that have gone through similar things. Uh, Body dysmorphia is a huge thing, like seeing your body completely differently than what it actually looks like. I actually struggled with that for years and I didn't even know what it was until probably like a year or two ago. And uh, uh, an old model friend of mine was sharing her experience with it on Instagram and I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, that's me, like, (laughs) which is so sad. It's like, I just normalized it because it was so normal that I wasn't like in the modeling industry. I was always told that I needed to be a certain way and look a certain way that I just didn't even see myself for who I was anymore. Trying to create this, this unrealistic person or version of yourself. Yeah. Those are tough expectations to reach, especially when you get this idea in your mind that you have to be a certain way or else you're not good enough for something. That's that's a recipe for disaster mentally, 100%. And I think you can also connect that to the social media addiction that we have today. I think people who are on social media night and day have those same objective feelings when they look in the mirror. They need to always get that validation, you know, and it comes in the form of likes and comments. It's an injection of dopamine. It's it's a hit, right? They need to always keep that going, and, and society's built on those constant injections of dopamine. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you, and I I strongly went through that. Um, when you are big in the modeling industry, you do have to keep like like especially nowadays, they expect you to keep a certain following on your social media and you're supposed to post a certain amount and certain pictures and this and that. And, uh, yeah, like it, uh, I definitely would get a huge dopamine increase from, you know, getting all the comments and likes from my photos. Um, it's something now that, uh, now that I'm not involved in the modeling industry anymore, um, 
it's funny, I, I hardly post on social media. <laughs> and if I do post, it's usually something about my boyfriend or my dog because uh, that's that's what I love, right? And mm-hmm. I don't want to be, um, I, I don't know, like I feel like social media can just be so judgmental. Like it's hard for me now to put myself out there. Whereas before when it was easier to put myself out there when it was more so for like my career. Now that it's more so just my personal choice, I, I don't like sharing that side of me. And granted, I will still troll social media, but I have had to unfollow a lot of accounts because it was making me feel bad about myself because I didn't feel like I could live up to certain expectations. And it's terrible because to me, the modeling industry is just constantly not being able to live up to these perfect expectations. And it's just so unrealistic for so many women. Yeah, I feel like you could have like a, an age restriction on certain things. You know, when it comes to, to social media, I don't think it's probably the best thing to be when you're 13 being on social media. You shouldn't be online. I think you should be focused on being a kid, being outside, playing and having fun, not on your computer all day. I even had moments when I was a kid where if I bought a new video game, guess where I'd be? In my room just playing video games all day on a nice summer day when I should be outside. All these technological advances uh, with the benefits that they bring, it brings a lot of destruction as well, particularly for our youth who, who kind of need still that life experience to to be more relatable eventually and to understand how society works rather than just believing this idea of society and believing this idea of themselves that really isn't quite realistic. Absolutely. And I think I definitely, I fell into that spell. I was living through this false reality of the expectations of social media and expectations of the modeling industry. Um, I'll never forget um, this one modeling job I had. I I booked it. I showed up. It was for, um, I don't know, some sort of skincare, Asian skincare line. I'm not 100% sure. And uh, I had one pimple on my face that day. You know, one pimple, 15, pretty typical, like, you know, not a big deal. And I showed up and they sent me home because I... I had one pimple and my skin wasn't perfect enough for the job Uh. that and see and i still remember i'm 25 now i i still remember that day i remember what i was wearing and you know what shit like that cuts deep And, and and it doesn't even matter if you're 15 or not shit like that cuts deep because there's nothing wrong with having a pimple pimples are absolutely normal but what is wrong is expecting people to always be perfect because it's just not real life. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. And uh, once again, I know the modeling industry has come a long way, but like for years, for years, I struggled with the way that I looked and I would, I would literally cancel plans if I had one pimple on my face. Like, thank God I've come to a point now where um, my acne does not define me uh, it, it doesn't have to, and, and no one should feel that way. But I know like as a woman coming out of the modeling industry, 
but even if you're not in the modeling industry and you're scrolling through social media and you're looking at all these other women's pictures that have perfect skin, it can absolutely destroy your confidence. Even the cover-up you have to use for the average pimple when you're going on TV or you're going in front of a camera or something. I know when I went to Nate and I did broadcasting and we had our, our, uh, our television broadcasts, I'd have to put face covering on. And I, and I don't know if you know this, but I also had a pretty bad skin condition for a little while there as well. I didn't I, know that. I think mine was, was, was terrible. <laughs> I literally had like rashes on my face and I had to put this face covering on. And I guarantee you it irritated the hell out of it because it made it worse, but it covered up the abomination on my face. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, was that worth it? Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. And, and that's a big part of the problem too is, yeah, we get these imperfections on our faces. We try to cover them up, but the ingredients in the things that we're using to cover them up are actually irritating the issue more. There's actually chemicals in them, right? They're, uh, depending on um, the company, yes. Like there is clean beauty out there. there. There is clean makeup out there, but there is also, um, makeup that can cause sensitivities but that like see we can we can talk about this for hours but um it it really depends on your skin type and but i mean in your case like you had a freaking irritated rash on your face you shouldn't be putting any sort of cover-up or makeup on that you should just be putting a soothing cream on that until that gets better but because society (laughs) is like oh no, that's not normal. That's not perfect. We need to cover that up. In fairness, though, I don't. I, I would just. I would just rather not be on TV. Period. When I have that going on, <laughs> just because I don't want people to see it. Because even it grossed me out when I looked in the mirror. I, <laughs> I know that sounds terrible to say, but it's, it's the truth. Like I'm just not gonna be in front of a camera when that's happening. <laughs> just then, for me personally. Oh, and absolutely, absolutely, like. For sure. I mean, I've had some terrible allergic reactions in the past where my eyes have freaking swollen up and like I can hardly see. I wouldn't want to be on TV or behind a camera during those times either. For sure there is, uh, that's just human nature too. Not looking your best, not feeling your best. But when you go back to, you know, when you say you have like a, like one pimple or something like that, me as the viewer, I personally don't really care. I I just I would rather actually see the person for the natural beauty that they are. Everybody's beautiful, in my opinion. I want to see someone for their natural beauty. Am I am I crazy to say that? I know there's that there's that Hollywood sort of glamour that everybody looks for when they're watching TV. You know, I know men are obviously very drawn to how a woman presents themselves and how they look visually, but I think it would really do women well to to be presented in a more natural look no matter what their appearance is how how do you feel about that um well now i am a strong believer in natural beauty like if you would have maybe asked me this question 10 years ago 
I don't know if I could have answered it, <laughs> to be honest, because I was so like, I can't go out into public without having my full face on, right? I couldn't even go over to my boyfriend's house without having a full face of makeup on. Um, you know, like, I think women should feel more beautiful naturally, but there's also nothing wrong if, you know, you do doll yourself up and you feel beautiful. You should feel beautiful either way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I've been very, very lucky with having my boyfriend's support throughout all these years and him um, making me really realize that I don't need to cake on all this makeup and that my skin will actually look and feel better if I don't do that. Um, you know, like being in the modeling industry and having all these different products from all these different makeup artists using, I don't know, are their brushes really clean? Maybe they just used it on another girl and then they're using it on me. I can't prove it, right? That really caused me in the end to develop some skin issues, um, which was very hard for me, but I've, I've dealt with that. I now take a more natural approach to things. Natural meaning not necessarily um, uh, behind the skincare products that I'm using because natural isn't always better, but um, just natural in the sense of not, um, not overdoing it as much now. Just, just showing up as me. And I think you could also attribute the other side of the coin that, that can be preached more, which is professionalism, right? When you, when you go into a business setting, you know, something like that, whether you're a man or a woman, you need to look presentable, you know, right? Do your hair up, you know, uh, wear, wear a suit, stuff like that. that. That's a different beast on its own, which, which could obviously be argued upon uh, in terms of importance, right? So there's like a, there's a fine line to draw when you're talking professionalism and objectification. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring that up too, because uh, I do work in a professional office. Uh, that's my Monday to Friday day job. And we, um, we dress very business casual. Like it's no big deal. Like you can wear jeans every day, um, like nice sweater, whatever. Uh, but it's not expected that the women have makeup on. You know, it is expected you brush your hair. You know, it is expected that you are a clean human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, typical office etiquette. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it's not... The office work isn't dependent on how you look. And and that's something which it's actually crazy. I've, I've been working at this job for five years now, but... Uh, in the five years that I've worked there, the way I look has really changed. I used to wear a full face of makeup there all the time. Um, when I wasn't in as good of a place mentally, right? I felt like I had to make up for my insecurities by looking a certain way. Now, over the years, as I've gone further into my mental health journey, and become more okay with who I am as a person, I don't feel as though I have to wear makeup to work every day. And quite honestly, this year, 2022, 
I think I've only maybe worn mascara to work once or twice. Like, and I'm so proud of myself for that because I'm finally at a point mentally that I'm confident enough to go out into public, to go to work and not have a stitch of makeup on. And it's, and it's fine. No one treats me any differently. People even still tell me that I'm beautiful. And do you know how freaking great that feels? It feels absolutely amazing. And I wish every woman, if you haven't gotten to that point yet, you can get there because it feels great. Well said, and I think that would be a phenomenal society to be a part of if we all feel that way. You know, we all feel that sense of self-worth and not try to, you know, demonize like ourselves because that's who we're hard on the most. You are hard on you. I am hard on me. That's how it's always been, you know, and we need to kind of change that you know, harbor a better environment to change that way of thinking. And that's why we have these conversations about it too, right? It's important. Absolutely. It's, it's very important to talk about this and um, get your emotions out in the open and know that you're not the only one because at the end of the day, you really aren't. Like, I, at times I felt so alone being on the other side of the world, dealing with some of the modeling BS, but... Now, like, I've, I've learned from it all, and I'm, I'm such a stronger person because of it. It's good to hear, Kim. And it kind of ties in nicely to the next thing we're going to talk about here. How, you know, as you've gotten older and you've gotten through these, these challenges, we've found solutions that help remedy these things. And you and I both like our pseudoscience and our natural practices. And you've told me in particular that you started to take up this practice called Reiki. That is correct. Yeah. So um, before I explain exactly what Reiki is. Um, Did I say it right? I said Reiki, didn't I? Reiki? Reiki? You, you kind of said it right. It's Reiki. Oh, darn. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Um, Anyways, before we fully, fully dive into that, um, I just kind of wanted to explain some of the background of how I kind of got to the point of, of my interest in even learning Reiki. So um, it, all, it all kind of started um, with, with my therapy. So I am a huge, huge advocate for therapy. Um, I started therapy in 2017 um, and I've been going on and off since um, it's I mean I'm not gonna get too preachy on it um, it's definitely something you have to be ready for um, but if you are hemming and hawing about it I highly recommend looking into it there's a lot of options out there um, um, even if you don't have benefit coverage and you're not in a financial place to pay for it up front, um, th there is options out there. Just go and talk to your doctor. I promise they will help you figure it out. Um, anyways, so through my therapy, I learned about aromatherapy. And I'm sure some of you have heard about that before. Um, it's using scents to provide you comfort. Um, and a way that I like to incorporate that is with essential oils. So how did I get into essential oils? 
Well, my boyfriend's mom actually bought me a essential oil kit and diffuser for Christmas one year. And um, I had asked for it. I was kind of wanting to get into it, but wasn't 100% sure. Like, I was a little skeptical at the start. I was like, what do you mean? Like, these plant extracts are, you know, going to help me. That they can uh, help build my immunity or, you know, help me emotionally. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. So anyways, I got the kit and I started playing around with it. And uh, they really helped me. They provided me a lot of comfort. Um, I like I, I like la lavender the best. Lavender, yeah. yeah. Lavender's very soothing. Um, it's good to help you sleep. And it just smells incredible, like I think anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, and but a, a big thing that I found with oils was that they were helping to build up my immunity. Prior to this, I was always the person that would like get sick like you i would be around someone that was sick the next day instantly i'm sick and so i started kind of reading into how they can help build immunity and it, thieves oil especially is incredible for that i don't know if you guys have heard about that or not but it's it's a blend it's essentially a blend of uh citrus and cinnamon oils I won't go too far into it, but if you're more interested in it, uh, you can get Zane to call, get in touch with me. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's um, it's been a huge like transition transitioner for me in my life. I find that with building up your immunity and building up your physical health, it can also in turn help your, your mental health and vice versa. And so using these essential oils as well, it kind of exposed me to meditation too. A lot of oils are recommended for grounding and with grounding practices comes meditation. And Zane, I know that you also meditate and how do you find that that helps you? Well, it just brings me to a really tranquil place. You know, I can sit there, close my eyes, Breathing deeply is what really kind of stimulates the flow for me. If, if my brain is going and I can't get it to stop, I meditate and I'm able to focus on nothing. That's, that's an ironic thing to say. You're focusing on nothing because your brain, when it's going, you're focusing on lots of things. You'd think that meditation, you're supposed to just do nothing and, and not feel anything, right? Get yourself to that state, but really you're just trying to focus on nothing. And I bring myself to that point where I can literally just calm my brain. You know how your mom used to sing to you at night to just take the bad dreams away and calm you down? That's kind of how I get my brain to operate. I get my conscience to kind of do that and talk to me. You know, just say, relax, take it easy, chill. And I find that music sometimes too really helps me soothe as well. It speaks to you, right? It's that voice that just gives you a peace of mind. And I know that when I meditate, it takes all those bad feelings away and I can go to sleep. I can relax. <laughs> Absolutely. Like that was, that was beautifully said. Um, I tried to say that in a soft tone, you know, cause people are kind of, they like, they like nice sounding, soothing things. There's something to be said about that, right? The way it reverberates into your body. 
Absolutely, the the calming sound, the sound therapy, you could say, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that guidance, um, that guidance with the thoughts in your mind, you had mentioned uh, the thinking about nothing, which is surprisingly very hard to do. If you've never meditated before, highly recommend. When you incorporate it into your daily practice, it can really change your life. And um, I'm, I'm really thankful that I discovered it, that that silent time with yourself is something I really treasure. Obviously, I'm introverted, so naturally I treasure that. <laughs> but it is, it's honestly, it's so important. It, it, I find for me, it, it just, if I've had a stressful day at work even, I come home and you feel like you just need a moment to just cleanse the day away. You know, I can put my diffuser on with maybe my sage oil to clear the negative energy. I can lay on the couch. Um, I'm a a huge, huge advocate for the app Headspace. That's what I use to meditate. And um, like, I can click on there. They sometimes they even have like a daily meditation. If you're not, if you even don't even know which one to click on, just click on that. Lay down for even just 10 to 15 minutes. And I guarantee every single time after I do that, I feel better. Yeah, me too. That, and I use the Calm app as well. I have heard really good things about the Calm app. I know um, my friend Jess swears by that one too. Um, I did try it, um, but I am just still pro Headspace. They, so. got, they got so much on there. I, I, I listen to Matthew McConaughey talking me to sleep sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> 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 night to night. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, meditation can just be such a powerful tool. And uh, it was through my oils and through um, my general therapy that I was doing that um, just introduced all of these self-care tools to before therapy. I, I didn't even know what self-care was. And um, to some people that might sound crazy, to other people, you might not even know what self-care is. So what is self-care? Well, self-care can also be labeled as self-love. And it, it really is based off of taking care of you, focusing on you and doing the absolute basics to take care of you, which as we get older and we get more close-minded, and into our tunnel vision and into the rat race, uh, gotta pay the bills, gotta do this, gotta do that. Oftentimes we forget about us. We forget about uh, our nutrition. We forget about taking our vitamins. We forget about our mental health. And we forget about those small things you can do on a daily basis that, that give you so much benefit. And I think too, humans have kind of adopted this persona of go, go, go. So there's always that excuse. Oh, I don't have time for it. Oh, I forgot about it. So yeah, we, we forget to self care all the time. Right. And, and we mask the problem by just keeping ourselves busy and just like ignoring the problem, but it doesn't mean it's going to go away. And part of that journey of, of self healing, self love is to understand yourself, understand how your body works. You know, when you're talking about the mind and how it operates, 
one of these theories I always revert back to whenever I'm overthinking or something. It's called the pink elephant theory. You know, when, when you're trying to not think about something. So what's the first thing that you're going to think about when you got a pink elephant in your mind? A pink elephant, right? You can sit there with that thought in your brain, no matter what. And when you're trying not to think about it, that's the first thing you're going to think about when you try not to think about it. You need to not think about it, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. You have to turn your focus to something else. That's why I think about nothing, you know? That's why I choose to do what I do because it works for me. And that's what the other person has to do. They have to actually give that the attention it needs, you know? You're just going home. Maybe instead of turning on the TV, go do some research. Go go do some... Go try something that, that might actually work. Take that pink elephant and apply it to somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that analogy. Um, take that energy and don't apply it to something that's going to numb. Apply it to something that will benefit and, and maybe evoke a positive change. Absolutely, Kim. And such an eye-opening conversation we had today. I love how deep we get. That's been a theme of ours for years. And it's just great to finally have you on in a public setting to help further my show and really add some value and educational purposes to my listeners. And, you know, I know you're working to be kind of more of an authority on things like Reiki and natural remedies. So I really admire the fact that you're actually putting in the research and you're sharing that with our audience. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Zane. Um, I love sharing my information that I have on holistic health. And as I expand my platform, I would love to con continue sharing it uh, with your audience and continue shattering the glass. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely going to continue to happen. Um, there's obviously way too much ground to cover in one day here. So we'll definitely have you on board again, and we're going to get in depth about some other uh, crazy things. So thanks again, Kim, for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Zane, and I can't wait to be back.